If you have your Bibles with you this morning and you want to turn there, I'll be taking some scripture out of the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 6. And uh, we'll start reading at around verse uh, 27 and probably go on down through verse 36. And uh, I guess you could say this is kind of Luke's take or Luke's accounting of the Sermon on the Mount. There are a lot of similarities here. Um, and, you know, this is one of the, to me, uh, one of the harder things of the gospel, especially when you read it. And, you know, it, it, it really goes against human nature, uh, what Jesus is talking about here in the gospel according to Luke. Uh, and, and he's talking about doing things contrary to what a lot of people would advise you to do. You know, it, it's essentially, I mean, if you really wanted to uh, 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 summarize it all, it's kind of Jesus telling human beings to dispense with being petty. Uh, you know, it is somebody does something to you, get them back. And uh, having been a young man who's engaged in horseplay a time or two in my life, I can tell you that, and I've tried to tell this to my students before when young men start, and I'll tell them to quit, and they're, oh, we're just playing. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen it go from playing to a fist fight. And it's a really short road, too, you know, because it's, well, they got me. I've got to get them back. And they, and, uh, you know, it, it's times like that I'm, I'm kind of inclined to, uh, uh, you know, think about what I believe it was Gandhi had said about the problem with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is that you'll look around and everybody will be missing an eye and a tooth. And, you know, this runs contrary. And, and, and even in the Old Testament, that was essentially what it was. But Jesus then comes along and begins to tell them, do better. Do something that, that will really be remarkable, which is not to respond with malice when you receive maliciousness. And, uh, you know, this is one of the harder things of the gospel, but Jesus plays it out here, explains it very logically. And so we're going to read at uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, we'll start at verse 27. He says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, and do good to them which hate you. Verse 28, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Verse 29, and unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take away thy coat also. That when Jesus is telling them this and he's telling a group of people, you know, essentially they're being oppressed. They're being oppressed by the Roman government at this time. And then Jesus comes along and I imagine this ran really counter to what Judas would have wanted Jesus to say, which was overthrow the government, destroy them, bring them down and all this. And Jesus is saying, no, whenever somebody uses you, bear it patiently. And a lot of times, the human nature is somebody does something to you, you got to get them back. You know, you got to get revenge. You got to uh, pay them back for it. Or as my dad would say, you know, whenever I'd get into it with another boy, well, if he did that to you, did you at least give him a receipt for it? You know, or while he got a full meal, did you at least get a snack? Is kind of the way of saying it. And that's all well and good, right up until the point to where that a person needs mercy. And you see a lot of times what we look around and we say, well, I want people to be forgiving and understanding of me. But then the question is, are we forgiving and understanding? And when Jesus gave them uh, the example prayer, one of the things was, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. And 
uh, we've got to remember that when it comes to being forgiven, that we need to be willing to forgive. We need to be willing to be merciful. And that Jesus has told them something that's pretty hard. He's saying, if they take your stuff, offer them other things. And I can tell you, I'm still working on that one. I'm still working on if somebody does something to me that I don't respond in kind. Uh, uh, and I, I'll be the first to say that this scripture steps on my toes. Uh, uh, but I think that if we're really striving to be Christ-like, uh, we need to lean into the difficult things and ask God uh, to give us the grace uh, and the mercy uh, that He was able to exercise in this world because uh, uh, what happens if we don't uh, is we'll begin to drift away from Him and respond just like everybody else. And what Jesus is telling them to do here is to be unlike the world, to surprise them with your kindness and your mercy. Once again, not easy. This is not the easier thing to do. This is some of the harder things of the gospel. And you'll notice that he, in verse 30, he goes on and says, Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. And you see that one will hit us right where we live because what Jesus is saying is treat them the way you want to be treated regardless of how they're currently treating you. Uh, and, and, and you know, it's real easy for me to stand up here and say that. Uh, and yet at times in my life when somebody's wronged me, uh, uh, that uh, I'll be perfectly honest, uh, uh, that a lot of my intelligence uh, and things like that, I would begin to devote uh, to plotting their destruction uh, or some way to get them back uh, and to do these things uh, right up until uh, as an adult that the Lord would say, is that really how you should be rather than rather than God saying yeah get them yeah you're you're one of my righteous children and and you go and you just you obliterate them rather than saying I'm the Lord I'll repay you see we keep account but we don't keep a clear ledger of our own lives. That's why karma, to me as a Christian, it doesn't work because we don't know the ledger. There are so many things that we don't account for, especially when it comes to the wrong that we've done. Now, it's real easy to see the wrong that somebody else has done, uh, but it's a little harder to look upon our own misdeeds. And when Jesus was telling this, and this, of course, is the so-called golden rule, but it's a good rule to live by. Treat others the way you would want them to treat you. But it's, see, it, it's kind of the same situation. Of, and, and, you know, when I was a kid, and I remember, uh, you know, that it was always respect your elders. And I still think that's valid. And the way that I taught my children, though, was I told them, I said, every adult that you encounter, you offer them a level of respect, a baseline level of respect, and then let them either add to that or take from it. You see, because we're living in a world where, yes, physically they may be an adult, but mentally and emotionally they're not. And I can tell you that Jesus isn't saying just lay down and be a doormat for everybody else, but what He is saying uh, is He's saying that, look, uh, know that there's going to be people that are going to wrong you. Uh, uh, and if you can find the capacity, the grace and the mercy, uh, you treat them like your heavenly Father treats you. Uh, and the whole point is, and the Apostle Paul talked about this, uh, uh, is that what they will do is they'll look at you and see your good works and find you an oddity uh, and then say, what makes them different? 
And a lot of times, this is how you impress lost people. This is how your life is a testimony that they see you bear uh, uh, being wronged uh, and do it patiently, uh, uh, looking to God then uh, uh, to repay uh, uh, whatever needs to be repaid, uh, to revenge whatever needs to be revenged, uh, but leave it in God's hands because His judgment is better than ours. Real easy to say. Real hard to do. He goes on and he says, verse 32 now. Now here's where he begins to reason with them. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And I think about this a lot that it's, it's real easy to love people who are lovable. People that are nice to you good to you and I'll be honest I've met some people in this world that I've regretted caring about that I've regretted allowing them a place in my heart and at times you know that human nature would tell me write them off don't put yourself in the position to where that they can hurt you. And I can say this, let the Lord be your guide. And I've had to do that. I've had to look around and say, I'm not helping them. I'm not doing anything for them. Uh, I, I've written them off. Uh, I don't care what happens to them. And then the Lord will come in and say, you really don't care what happens to one of my children. And I'd have to put my head down and forgive and be gracious. And when you... Now, you may be sitting there saying, ah, Brother no, you don't know what somebody else has done to me. No, but I know what Christ went through for you. And you didn't deserve it. That we wronged God. And if you turn back into the book of Isaiah in chapter 53, and I think it's the sixth verse, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. It didn't exclude anybody that we had all gone astray. We'd all wronged God. We'd all messed up. And yet we received grace and mercy. And I can tell you what this is, what Jesus is telling them to do is to demonstrate your faith. To show your faith in God. Because you know what really impresses God? Faith. You think about the story of the Roman centurion that sent word to Jesus. Jesus marveled at his faith because he said, I know all you have to do is speak the word. You don't have to come here. You don't have to wave your hands or do any kind of uh, dramatic flair to it. All you have to do is say that it is and it is. The woman with the issue of blood, she came to Jesus. She knew she could just touch the hem of His garment. She wasn't going to stop Him along the way or interrupt anybody or get in anybody's way. What she did was she came in faith believing and Jesus stopped and pointed it out and told her, your faith has made you whole. Faith is what moves the hand of God. It's not just our stubbornness or digging in or anything like that and demonstrating your faith uh, is saying, God, uh, I'll bear this patiently because the truth is I probably deserve it. You ever considered that when you've gone through something? That maybe you deserve it? I think about King David when his own son had run him out of his kingdom. 
And it says that a man comes out as David and all of his family are, are leaving and his entourage are walking along and a man comes out, starts throwing rocks at him and cursing him and saying, David, you usurped the throne of Saul. Uh, uh, you're a bad person. Uh, and Joab, uh, his bloodthirsty right-hand man, uh, he tells David, hey, how about I go chop that guy's head off? Him out here throwing rocks at us and everything and David in his state... And, and, and every bit of this was David's fault. And David told him, he said, leave him alone. He said, if God told him to do that, then we deserve it. And he said, and then if we don't, and God didn't tell him to do it, maybe God will look on us bearing it patiently and have mercy upon us. Because while we may desire justice, what we need more than justice is mercy. And we only get that mercy by the grace of Jesus Christ. A man who came into this world who lived a life without sin didn't deserve to go to the cross and die, but He did it for us anyway. And we didn't deserve what that He did for us. And what He's saying is, He's saying, look, be good no matter what. Because let's face it, there's always a convenient excuse to do the wrong thing. There's always an opportunity when we do something we shouldn't do. There's always a convenient excuse. But the truth is, deep down, we have no excuse. Especially when we read this scripture, it kind of takes all the excuses away, doesn't it? Well, God, I tried to run that person off of the road because they were holding me up from getting to work. I'm trying to feed my family. They made me mad. I was tired and I was hungry. And that's why I responded the way that I did. And, 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 and I've been there. I have to say amen and owe me to that. That I've done that. There was a day a few weeks back. A student done something in my class. And I responded differently than what I normally would. That I jumped all over him. I didn't do anything untoward or anything like that. But that's not typically how I handle things like that as a teacher. And after the fact, I reflected upon that uh, I had had to skip breakfast that morning because somebody decided to do 35 miles per hour all the way from essentially Genoa to Huntington. And I was upset and annoyed. And that kid bore the brunt of the fury when it wasn't even really that big of a deal. And I will tell you, I will say that I spoke to him publicly and told him I overreacted and apologized for such things. I didn't excuse the wrong that he'd done. He was still in the wrong. But I said, I didn't respond correctly. You see, it would have been a lot easier to say, yeah, well, he probably got by with something else on me, and so he probably deserved it. No, I can't control what somebody else does, but I can control how I respond to it. That's why that Peter said to be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what that means? Sobriety and vi vigilance. You know how often it is in our culture that people use drunkenness as an excuse for misdeeds? As an excuse for doing something wrong? And yet, what Peter was saying is he's saying, you be careful all the time. You don't know when you're going to have the opportunity to either pass or fail. And some of these tests that come up for us as Christians, they're pass-fail. You either pass it or you fail it. And your judges are unjust people. 
the lost of the world, they're going to look at you and they're looking for you to mess up. They're looking for a problem. They're dogging your steps similar to the way the Pharisees did Jesus. You imagine every time that they perceived that he did something wrong, they jumped out of their hiding place and pointed a finger, tried to shine the world's biggest light on it. They would set up traps for him. Now there may not, hopefully there's nobody doing that to you, but they are watching what you're doing. And if they see you responding some way other than the way Jesus is laid out here, that may be a problem. There may be some people in this world that you've already wrecked your testimony with. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to just quit though. You move on. God's got somebody else in mind for that person. But I can tell you this, our job is to not settle the score. That's not our job. Our, scores, our score got settled on Calvary. What we did wrong, Jesus took care of it. And what we need to do as Christians is to call people and to show people a demonstration of our faith in Jesus Christ. You'll notice he goes on in verse 34 and it says, And if you lend to them of whom ye have hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. He's saying there's no... There's no mercy, there's no grace or anything involved when you hand it out expecting to get it back. Now I tell you, this is yet again a difficult one for me. And I will say this, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Now if He's not your guide and you're just going under your own wit and your own wisdom, be careful because any man that thinks he stands should take heed lest he falls. Now that doesn't mean that I'm telling you right now and I'd be the last person to tell you, oh, you just go and, and give everything away and give it to somebody who's going to waste it and all that. No, we're called to be good stewards in the Word of God. But we're also called to be merciful to those that need it. And so I can't stand up here and give you some golden rule for giving, but I can tell you this, God's never going to get upset with you for giving. He will get upset with you for not. But Jesus is saying, don't expect to get paid back, at least not down here. You're laying up treasures in heaven. But I, ha I hesitate to say this. And I've heard a lot of ministers over the years say it, especially when maybe the church offering is down or something like that. And they'll say, uh, if you give God one dollar, He'll give you back ten. That sounds like an investment to me. But Jesus said, if you want to be rich, be rich toward heaven. Lay up treasures there, not down here in this world. And if a person puts one dollar in the offering plate expecting ten more uh, whenever they get to work on, on Monday, I'm not saying God can't do that, but I'm saying they're given for the wrong reason. And it's not just giving financially. To me, your most valuable commodity, my most valuable commodity is my time. I only have so much of that. I may be presently enjoying the last few percent of my lifespan. I don't know. And you imagine now if somebody looked uh, and they only had but say 43 years and they're 42 years old and they spend a day helping you. What an investment that they have made in your life. What they've given you in their life. And how that they've given. And Jesus is saying, look, give and don't expect to get back. If you want to get back anything, let God repay you. And then if the person uh, does, if they find themselves able to do so, then that's fine. But Jesus is saying, even the worst people, they'll lend money to somebody when they know they're going to get it back. You'll notice he goes on and says in verse 35, But love, your, love ye your enemies, 
and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Verse 36, be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Every bit of this set of scriptures here falls under being merciful. And in the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain what? Mercy. That's what we need. That's what we got on Calvary. That's what we got when Jesus says, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. When He hung there on Calvary, uh, when He bled out His blood and died for us, uh, He was being merciful to a world that didn't deserve mercy. The hardest people to forgive are the ones that don't deserve your forgiveness. The ones that wronged you and you didn't do anything wrong. And you can get down and pray, God, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I never wronged them in any way. I'm completely innocent in this. And yet God says, forgive them. But I don't want to forgive them anyway. And one of the hardest prayers that I've ever prayed is saying, God, give me the grace to forgive them because I can't do it myself. It's difficult to forgive somebody who's wronged you. Or as a parent, I can tell you, you know, there are lots of fights I wouldn't fight for myself, but I would for my kids. I would for a loved one. When somebody wrongs one of my loved ones, I'm more willing to be mean and nasty than at any other point in my life. It seems more justified. It's not about me. It's about them. But you'll notice there's no asterisk next to any of that. He says to be merciful. To forgive to bless those that curse you. To love your enemies. Now I don't know that I have any legitimate, what I could legitimately call an enemy. I can tell you I've got people that don't like me. I've, I've had to come to the realization that there's just some people in this world, they're just not going to like you for whatever reason. And my natural response would be, well, fooey on them. I'm not going to help them. I'm not going to do anything for them and help them out or anything like that. They're unappreciative. You know, I think about that a lot. When we help somebody and they don't even, don't even get so much as a thank you. I imagine everybody here has been there. And you may say, oh no, Brother Jeremiah, it's never happened to me. Well, then apparently you've never been a parent. Because your kids, they'll, they'll get from you. They'll not even acknowledge that it was a sacrifice on your part. And they won't say thanks, Dad, Mom. Or anything else. What they will do. Is they'll consume and go on. And maybe never even remember it. And before you say. Well, Brother Jeremiah it's awful hard. I stand guilty of that as well. And I remember after my dad died. And something would come up that needed done. I was a full grown man. And I would look around. I was like well why isn't that getting done? Oh yeah. Because it's up to me not dad anymore. My dad, most of the time, I didn't have to ask him for help. A lot of times, he kind of forced it on me. And I would get upset and angry with him and everything. And one of my biggest regrets is that I never really truly thanked him for all that he did for me. And then even worse than that is when we don't demonstrate the mercy that we received in our lives from Christ. You see, this is all a demonstration of you saying, I've got a Savior. 
You can say all you want. You can go out there and tell them about Jesus and witness and testify. I'm not saying don't do that. But what I am saying is let your actions back up your words because they will speak louder. Because if you tell somebody, oh, I have the mercy of Christ and somebody's read the Bible and they came across this scripture and they're like, huh. they're one of the most petty people I've ever seen. They're one of the most vindictive people I've ever encountered. And yet Jesus, now he had every right to condemn this world and to judge it. And you know, if you remember, and in, in I believe it's the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus, when he's pointing his fingers right at the Pharisees, and man, he's being pretty rough on them in that part. Saying, woe unto you Pharisees, you tithe, men, antis, and cumin, but you ignore the weightier things of the law. And do you remember the first thing that he listed? First was judgment. Second was mercy. The third was faith. Those are the weightier things of the law. Mercy parked right there in the middle. If you want mercy, be merciful. If you want forgiven, then be forgiving. If you want to be good, then show goodness out to the world. If you want to win lost souls to Christ, let them see you suffer patiently. As a parent, I can tell you that you'll impress your kids when they see you suffer and endure for the kingdom's sake. That will make more of an impression on them than anything else. I remember a time when I was a boy and I, my dad apparently was in the, in the back of the house there praying. All I know is I heard my name called out. I come around. You know, when dad called my name, I didn't, I knew I had five seconds and four were already gone. So when I heard my name, I come around. He was still, he, he was praying. I didn't realize it until that I, I kind of started listening. He was praying. He was praying for me. Calling my name out before the Most High God. That made an impression upon me. I wasn't very old at that time. But he was calling my name out. Asking for blessings upon me. Asking for God's protection upon me. I believe he was lobbing prayers out into the future. For a 42 year old man trying to preach the gospel and trying to minister before Jesus Christ, trying to live by these scriptures and failing regularly. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we fail every day. If we're honest with ourselves, we're not good enough to keep this, but you see the Lord, what He wants is just our best effort. He's calling us to do what we can and then everywhere that we fall short, He makes up the difference. What a wonderful Savior that we have. He said, you don't have to be perfect. Just make the effort and I'll make up the rest. And then when you come to people in the world and you're trying to impress upon them the love of Christ, show it and here's a good list to start by. And you see the thing is, once you get that, that habit formed, and psychologically, and I, I heard this for years before I ever took a psychology class, and then in a psychology class they talked about it, 21 days is how long it takes to form a habit, to get something to where that it becomes instinctual. You don't even have to think about it. 21 days. That's three groups of seven, or three weeks that you spend doing that. And I found it to be true. Once I heard that, I tried it out. And it's pretty well true. 21 days. Try reminding yourself of these scriptures for 21 days straight and reminding yourselves to try to walk and live an upright life.
before the world that they may see Christ in you. Because we're walking in a world to where they're looking and distracted by everything. And if you want to get their attention, let them see you suffer patiently. Let them see you be kind. Let them see you be generous. Most of all, let them see you be merciful. Jesus said, be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Let's everyone stand and get a song.